it could have been worse. What's going on? Happy Thursday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live postgame shows after every Reds game on YouTube. And we will have podcasts every single morning for the rest of the regular season. This show is presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, Wednesday started off pretty awful for the Reds at Great American Ballpark, but there was some serious silver linings at Lone Depot Park and Wrigley Field late on Wednesday night. Coming up on today's show, myself, Craig Sandlin, and Trace Fowler discuss Wednesday's Reds game. I'll give you a rundown of where things stand in the NL wildcard race with just eight games to play for the Reds and more. But first, here's what happened on Wednesday afternoon at Great American Ballpark. Hunter Green got the start for the Reds, and he was electric. Seven innings pitched, three hits, one run, one walk, 14 strikeouts. The only run that Green allowed was on a solo home run with an expected batting average of 190, a ball that went just 369 feet. It was a career-high 14 strikeouts for Hunter Green. He became the youngest Cincinnati Red with 14 strikeouts since 1967, and it was the most strikeouts of any Red since 2000. The Reds' offense did give Hunter Green a little bit of support. In the bottom of the third, Will Benson walked, Jonathan India was hit by a pitch, and then T.J. Friedel had a hard-hit single to make it 1-0 Cincinnati. In the bottom of the fourth, Christian Encarnacion Strand was in the lineup, and he hit a rocket to left field, Solo home run number nine on the season for CES. That made it 2 nothing Reds. In the bottom of the seventh, Will Benson tripled on a rare misplay, at least in this series, from the Twins outfield. Then the next batter, Luke Maley, squared to bunt for a safety squeeze. The ball went in play, and he was called out when it was caught. David Bell noticed that the ball hit him on the fingers and challenged it. Ruling was that because the ball hit him and he was offering at the pitch, it was a dead ball strike. And then Luke Maley took advantage of the situation. He had a single into center field, scored Will Benson, and it was 3-1 Reds. David Bell decided to go to Ian Jabot in the eighth inning with Hunter Green at 92 pitches. There was a little bit of a delay, about 25 minutes uh, from when the bottom of the seventh started until the top of the eighth. Uh, but Jabot did give up a run to make it a 3-2 game. Two his hits from the Twins were under 70 miles per hour off the bat, but Ian Jabot did get Max Kepler to roll over on a weak ground out to end the inning and preserve a 3-2 lead for the Reds. Then the Reds gave the ball to Alexis Diaz in the top of the ninth with a 3-2 lead. The Reds were 61-1 and when leading entering the ninth inning when the day began on Wednesday. But the first batter, Willie Castro, yep, that same guy who robbed Tyler Stevenson of literally four runs on Tuesday, laid down an absolutely perfect bunt. Castro then made it to third base on the next pitch as the throw from Luke Maley skipped past second baseman Jonathan India and rolled into center field, allowing Castro to advance to third. So literally without Alexis Diaz really doing anything, there was already a runner on third base. Kyle Farmer then blooped the next pitch into right field, tied the ball game up, 
and it was only the third blown save of the season for Alexis Diaz. Diaz did get a pop out, but then he walked the next batter, and David Bell decided to go to Sam Mole with a lefty up. Sam Mole was only one out away from getting out of the top of the ninth with a score tied, but a ball that just snuck through the infield off the bat of Jorge Polanco put the Twins up 5-3. to three. The Reds did bring the tying run to the plate in the bottom of the ninth, but the Reds couldn't get it done. Reds fall 4-3 in a heartbreaker. Reds now 79-75 on the season. Here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say after the game. Maybe the toughest loss of the season to swallow. Yeah, we've talked about how they're all important at this point. There's no question about that. That's a great thing. I mean, to be playing these games that mean this much, they hurt, you know, when you don't win them. But at the same time, we, we remain really excited and positive about our chances. We still, all comes down to how we play. Yes, they're, you know, they're increasingly important. We have an off day tomorrow, and uh, we come back, and we still have we have time to get it done, and that's all you can ask for. In the ninth, a uh, couple things happened there. Obviously, the bunt hit, the the double steal. Do you, did it catch you off guard a little bit with, with Farmer running there? Or? No, I mean we we knew that they you know they're aggressive. Obviously, we know Kyle. Um, it was almost perfect timing. We were just a, a hair late. Um, Nick got there. Just uh, maybe a split second late to be able to get a good tag down, but uh, it was a good play on their part. This is a good team. The Twins are a good team. Um, it was a tough series for us, and uh, you know we, like I already said, we got we got a ways to go here. But um, they played us tough. They, they did a good job of coming back and, and winning that game. Outstanding start uh, from Hunter goes by the wayside. But how impressed were you with? Everything he did today and, and leading up to today, the, the kind of culminating and everything coming together for him. Yeah, you couldn't ask for any more. Maybe uh, saying a lot, but maybe the best start you know that I've, I've seen Hunter have. Um, and he's had some great ones. Um, but when we needed it most, just really had a great plan. Um, was executing a slider all day. Um, when he can do that, uh, we know he has a great fastball, but uh, you know I don't care who you are. You can't get it done with the one pitch. So when he has both of them working like that, makes for a really tough at bat. And here's what Hunter Green had to say about his start. I mean, I'm not even really focusing on, on my performance. Uh, obviously, where we are in the season, uh, days like today are extremely frustrating, and uh, baseball guys just weren't on our side, you know, today. But um, you know, we got an off day, and then you know, recharge and get back to it. Everything that you've been working on and even some of the changes you've been making, do you feel like everything kind of came together for you today? Yeah. Um, I feel like throughout this season I've been, like, unlocking, like, certain levels to myself, um, whether it's mental, physical, um, you know, going throughout that process. And I'm never going to stop learning. None of us are, you know, on this field and in this game of baseball. But uh, I feel like th those levels have slowly been unlocking. And it's stuff that i got to be able to remember uh, for the rest of the season next year and for the years to come. So um, I definitely feel like it came came together today. I think the biggest thing for me has been my mindset uh, moving forward, and it's something that I can't lose for the rest of my career. How key is pitching inside for you? You seem to do that a lot today, whether it be with the fastball or even the slider. <clears throat> yeah, um, 
it's really important for everybody as pitchers to be able to, you know, move the ball around and keep guys honest. Um, you know, making guys responsible for that inside and outside, up and down, uh, the art of pitching. So, uh, you know, that that pitch inside is always going to be key for you know everybody that's that's pitching in this game. And um, as long as you're able to, you know, mix it up as much as possible and keep guys off balance, that's that's the name of the game. Going into today. Was this, would you say this was the most important start of your, your big league career? Or how did you view this? Yeah, because with everything that's on the yeah. line right now. Each game that's that I keep pitching in, you know, the, the next one and the next one after that, these are the most important games of my life. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't won anything since high school, you know. So being in these these moments and these situations and um, leading up to these these games, I mean, I, I haven't felt this way in a very long time, <clears throat> and. Um, you know, I'm just super focused, and I want to do so well for for this team. Um, you know, and be able to carry carry it for you know next year and the years to come. But yeah, these are the most important games I've ever played in. So, do you embrace that moment and that challenge? Oh, all the time. I feel like I'm I've been built for these situations, and you know, there, there's no hiding from this. You know, I have to be able to, you know, come out and compete and, and be locked in from the first pitch to the last. So there's no running away or hiding from it. You know, you have to embrace these moments. Were you good to go for the eighth if they called upon you? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to go the the whole game, you know, but uh, that that last inning was like super super long. Not saying I couldn't go out and, and still feel fresh, but I think just you know the momentum of that game and kind of sitting down for a while. I, I definitely think it was the right move. Um, you know, those guys are making those decisions. I can't get caught up in that. Um, I, I trust our whole staff and especially David. The Diamondbacks beat the Giants seven to one, and the Diamondbacks have now won five straight games. But the Reds did get a lot of help elsewhere. With Justin Steele on the mound, the Cubs ace, they lost 13-7 to the Pirates at Wrigley Field. And the Marlins lost 8-3 to the Mets at home as well. So let's take a look at the NL wildcard standings entering Thursday. Phillies still hold the first wildcard spot. It's more like a formality at this point. They have a four-game lead. The Arizona Diamondbacks now have a much more commanding lead of the second wildcard spot. They are a game and a half ahead of the Cubs, who hold the third and final wildcard spot. The Marlins are a half game behind the Cubs. Reds, one game behind the Cubs. And then the Giants, they are all the way back at three games back now. So the Reds, one game out of that third and final wildcard spot, chasing the Cubs. Reds are now two and a half games behind the Diamondbacks, who hold that second wild card spot. Taking a look at the updated Fangraphs odds as I record this for the NL wild card race, the Arizona Diamondbacks playoff odds all the way up now at 85.2%. The Miami Marlins are at 46.0%, and the Cubs are at 45.9%, so just a .1 difference between the Marlins and the Cubs. The Reds, they are at 20.7%, it's a lot better than what it was earlier in the day. I believe it was down to about 12%. I had checked earlier in the day after the Reds lost and the Diamondbacks win while the Marlins and Cubs were still playing. And the San Francisco Giants, their odds all the way down to just 2.1%. All right. Well, here's myself, Craig, and Trace Fowler. Trace was live at Great America Ballpark and then traveling home. Talking about a really tough game for the Reds. 
on Wednesday. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Chatterbox Reds Live post game. Nick Kirby, Trace Fowler, and Craig Sandlin. Trace is uh, live at GABP. Just got to be a witness to a uh, pretty demoralizing loss for the Cincinnati Reds. Craig, I'll kick it to you. Give me some something to, uh, I don't know, just give me something. <laughs> Lackluster offensive performance. I mean, I think we've seen with this team over the year i mean over the course of the entire year it feels like where they don't they don't ever have like one person ready to pick up the team feels like if one person's slumping everybody's slumping and if everybody's hot you know if one person's hot everybody's hot so they're in a situation right now where a number of their um regulars at least are not hot and for whatever reason refuse to put into the lineup the guys that are hot regularly and then when you do finally give them a chance you know ces connects on a home run today um Marte one for four but you know it's really tough to stay in a groove when you're not in the lineup every day and david bell is making decisions that are not the best for this team offensively or defensively you know i don't think the defense really killed them today but hard to justify nick senzel as a defensive replacement in the seventh inning of a one run ball game. I mean, you know, it would have been really nice to have CES leading off the eighth. Um, since I did walk, but oh, kind of a demoralizing day to say the least. Trace, I don't know. Just give me, give me your thoughts. I don't, I don't have a whole lot right now, to be honest. When there's a game that, the, that is this important, there's about five to six different things that could have happened differently that you could say that that would have been the difference in the Reds winning the game. I don't want to sit here and be like, this is on one person because it's not. The offense has just been disappointing. I know I keep bringing that up. I know I keep saying that, but like, you just can't expect to get bailed out every single time by this bullpen, you know? And I know that people are going to be pissed off at Hunter Green got taken out. And you know what? I think that it was at the time, I thought it was a little wild. I know the inning was a little bit long, but sometimes when dudes are in the zone, it doesn't matter, dude. I, I, I would have at least liked to see one guy get on base before I was going to pull him. I also know people would have argued, well, you need to give Jaboa a clean inning. I get all of that. It's just uh, there's this team has to got has has got to find a way to get the big hit with two outs, guys on second, and third, or guys on second base. I mean, it just hasn't happened. The Twins were able to do it against Mole right there. Uh, give that kid some credit. He had three strikeouts on the day and a fly out. He looked terrible. And um, they got a big hit. They got a big hit. And you can always point fingers at David Bell. It's always the easy solution in these situations. And um, I'm not suggesting for one second he's completely uh, innocent of all of this because I have some questions about the bunt. I mean, it's the dumbest, that's the dumbest baseball play maybe I've seen in the past year from the Cincinnati Reds. I don't understand what the logic was there. The bases were, the the, the, uh, the whole infield was in. Maley swung the bat today. He hit, a, he hit a ball to the warning track earlier. Like, what's the solution there? What's the, what's the plan? And then they got bailed out, still scored the run. So I know, I understand you guys are gonna have a tough time doing the show. I have a lot of thoughts. I wish I could share them, but at the same time, I don't wanna sound like a broken you know record and, and also I'm hoarse and I've sweat my off and that's a tough one, man. I mean, I, there's really no else way to say it, fellas. That's, that is a tough loss. Season's not dead, but that's a pivotal game. That's a pivotal game. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what more you say. Let's get to a super chat. Not not disagree with the super chat more all year, but hey, if you do a super chat, I'll read it. 
Reds suck and will not win anything in the next 10 years. Thanks for your super chat, Andrew. I never disagree <laughs> with the super chat more. I, I know you're emotional. We're all emotional right now, but uh, honestly, I appreciate that. That kind of gave me a little bit of a, a chuckle, <laughs> and I, I can reset myself a little bit now. But thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, everyone who calls me an idiot in the chat. You guys watch. Uh, that helps us out. So thanks to you. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm with Trace. I mean, look, the, the decision to pull Hunter or not pull Hunter is going to be topic number one on everyone's minds. Uh, it's one of those calls that's tough. I mean, is it 92 pitches? There was a long, I think, 25-minute inning before. It, it's a tough call. Ian Jabo, that inning wasn't terrible. Like the two hits he get, two of the hits he gave up were under seventy miles an hour. It was some tough luck, and you still got the ball to Alexis Diaz with the lead in the ninth inning. So I, I don't, I'm not going to sit there about that. I think the decision to play both Jake Fraley and Joey Votto is the decision that should be the most criticized. Uh, both those guys were 0 for eight. Uh, you continue to run both of those guys out there. You're weakening your defense. Um, you're making it tougher to make late game situation, late game swaps because you, you're having fairly DH. And I just, I mean, I love Jake Fraley. I love what he's done for this team, but he's been really, really bad for about three weeks now. And uh, the trade off of getting him in the lineup is just not there. I have no confidence whatsoever that Jake Fraley could hit a ball out of the ballpark right now. You know, at best, your best case scenario with Jake Fraley is you're hoping he can, you know, hit a single, maybe a double in the gap, maybe draw a walk. But there's no power there, and he's he's playing your DH right now. And you're having to weaken your entire defense and your ability to make substitutions late in the game. And I think that cost the Reds today. If the Reds are able to blow this game open, it's a totally different ball game. So that that's the thing that I just don't like. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, let's start with Hunter Green. I mean, seven innings, three hits, one run, 14 strikeouts, only one walk. Over his last four starts, he's 2-0. and 24 innings pitched, 11 hits, six runs, four earned, uh, seven walks during that time, and 35 strikeouts. I mean, the guy is on fire right now, and he's one that you're definitely going to need down the stretch. I think you've got opportunities to get him another um, two starts. And, uh, you know, if he pitches the way he did today down the stretch, you know, it's it's nice to know that you're going to be in a good position to win a couple ball games. I didn't personally agree with the decision to take him out but like you said you know Ian Jabot you know comes in that double to lead off was was one thing but you know he gets Larnick to fly out Julianne on a 66 and a half mile per hour uh bloop shot gets Blanco to fly out and then Solano on a 67.9 mile per hour bloop uh to score the run um you know at the end at the end of the day I think what you're saying is accurate. Um, I was glad they gave Ellie a day off today. Um, I think that, you know, that was probably necessary. So it was good to see Marte and CES in the lineup, but that's got to be an everyday thing and continuing to sacrifice that for Joey Votto um, when he is over his last, however many it doesn't make sense. And Jake Fraley isn't doing much better. So it's frustrating, uh, to say the least, but yeah, it was the decision to bunt Maley there showed the lack of confidence that bell has in his offense right now. I, th- I think if, if your offense is clicking and hitting the ball, well, you probably don't even think about a bunt there, but the way it's been, he's probably thinking, how do I manufacture an insurance run? And, and he's managing differently because the team is performing dif- differently. 
We got another super chat I'll get to here. Mr. Mo, why the hell can't a starter go past 100 pitches? I really don't think that's it. I mean, Hunter Green this year thrown 112 pitches in a game. He threw uh, 109 pitches against St. Louis since he's been back from the IL. Uh, that last start against the Mets, he was at 98. I, I just, I, I think it was the combination of him of him having to sit for 25 minutes. I think that the the Twins, where they were at in their lineup, it was a one run ball game. You know, third time through the order, that stuff is real. Um, I don't know. I mean, I get it. I get why people are mad. It, it kind of stinks when you have a start that was as good as Hunter Green had today and you don't put him back out there. But Hunter Green also could have gave up a couple runs there as well. The, the, the story is the offense. Everyone's going to push it on Hunter Green and that decision. But the Reds scored three runs in the last two baseball games. I mean, that's that's the story. I've got two thoughts. The first is... You've got to lead late in the game with an offense that is not producing very well. And your bullpen has been extremely dominant all season long, right? So if you're David Bell in that position, you're thinking, all right, we're handing it over to the bullpen for the last two innings to shut it down like they have all year long. Um, the other thing, and, and I'm probably overthinking this, but um, Hunter Green's last start against New York David Bell went to him, trusted him, allowed him to stay in the game. He ends up giving up the three-run bomb to Alonzo. It would be difficult to say, you know, and Hunter Green after after the game said it was a learning moment for him. He would learn from it and move forward. The broadcast reported that David Bell went to him twice to have a conversation about whether or not he wanted to go back out there. Hunter Green's a competitor. I'm sure he wanted to go out there. Um, but I can't help but think and wonder, was that in the back of your mind? wondering you know last time this happened i gave up a three-run bomb to to pete alonzo you never know but like you said the offense continues not to produce which forces david bell most likely to have to go to his bullpen and he has a lot of trust in his bullpen rightfully so they didn't come through today but the bullpen has been your workhorse all year long and there's no chance in the last 10 games of the year that you're going to change the way you manage the way this bullpen has performed I didn't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. Charlie Clifford of WLWT just reported Hunter Green said, quote, it was the right move to go to the bullpen in the eighth inning. Again, Hunter Green's a stand-up guy. Maybe he's standing up for his manager, David Bell. But there's also a possibility that Hunter Green was asked, do you think you have it? And he said, no, we don't know what that conversation was. I just think that's an important piece of information. Go ahead, Trace. My only issue with David Bell right now is just he's not he's not managing the same that he's that he's managed all year. Okay, if we're gonna sit here and try to play guys that ultimately aren't gonna give us the best chance to win, then if you got a guy that's going out there that looks differently than he's looked all year, maybe his whole entire career, then I would like to think or venture to think that you might manage a little, a little differently with him. So you can't you can't like say on one side of your mouth that you're gonna and I'm not speaking to you specifically, but when you when you defend David Bell, and again, this isn't really about David Bell to me. This offense sucks. This offense needs to figure out a way to score five, six, seven runs on a consistent basis. And until they do that, this team doesn't have this team doesn't have a chance to really get where we ultimately want them to go. But the truth is, is that a guy striking out what 12, 13 guys. I, with all due respect, Craig, I I would love for them to come up for the third time. Have, bro, come right on up. You guys ain't got a chance. They, I mean, they look they look lost. Twins guys are swinging it. How many check swing strikeouts did you see? A ton. Because they were overmatched. They were overmatched. And no offense to Jabot, but he can't do what Hunter Green does. To Nick's point, the only thing that you can say 
is you don't know what was said in, in the dugout or the clubhouse. Maybe, just maybe. Hunter Green said he was tired or he wanted to come out. I don't know. But he also might just be defending David Bell a little bit right here and trying to make sure that, you know, it would look it would be a bad look if Hunter Green during during the interviews today was like, no, I was ready to go. I, I wanted to go back out there, but David said no. I mean, that would be a storm. So maybe Hunter's mature enough to try to kind of cover a little CYA a little bit right there. But I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's this. We want to get on the bullpen today. Okay, that's fine. They've been the best thing this team's had all year long. You want to get on David Bell for taking out Hunter Green? Sure. But how many times have we had a guy on second and third, guy on second, and can't can't get a big two-out hit? Just can't do it. Jake Fraley, nothing. Jonathan India, nothing. Joey Votto, nothing. We finally played CES. We finally played Marte in the same lineup, and both of those guys helped out. And also, you know what? I'll, I'll, the final thing I'll say, and I'm going to listen the rest of the time for the most part, unless something crazy gets said, which probably not with, with, with you guys because you're very level-headed and you don't really speak too crazy off of emotion. But the last thing I'll say is that the Twins did make some winning baseball plays, and the Reds didn't. Joey Votto had a chance to get to get Marte to third base with less than two outs, and he didn't get it done. Marte then hits a pretty sharp ground ball up the middle. Kid makes a great play. Kid doesn't make that play if the infield's in, and next thing you know, Marte's standing at first base with a base hit. Those are the small things that if you don't want to bring those up, that's fine. If you don't want to say that, that Jake Fraley and Joey Votto had every opportunity today to help this team win and just failed, that's fine. If you want to blame David Bell and say it's and say that it was all Ian Jabot and Alexis Diaz and Sam Mull, that's fine. But I'm just telling you, and I'll continue to tell you, the offense sucks. And they got to find a way to score four, five, six runs on a consistent basis. Period. That's the only way this team is going to be able to survive. I'll shut up and listen. Uh, good question from Andrew Seller. Uh, just saw kind of uh, to, to maybe wrap wrap a bow on the conversation about the decisions today. Uh, do you agree with the decision for Bell to pull Diaz? I I didn't have an issue with it. I mean, again, I I think there was probably something that Derek Johnson saw that made them think. Diaz may not have it today. I think that might have been part of it. And then you also had a guy that was terrible against left-handed batters uh, do up. Sam Mull did get that first guy out. The Twins did a gutsy double steal. I know Sinzel wasn't in the right position, and Trace lost his mind, as he probably should. I, I didn't have an issue with that. Again, my issue is playing both Fraley and Votto. That's my stand, and I'm sticking to that. That's the that that's the one that, that I can't sit with. Diaz has been your go-to all year long. I understand you've got a left-hander coming up. I understand that Diaz didn't look great, but Diaz has put himself in high leverage positions all year long. Um, I don't know what it is about closers, but I feel like a lot of them perform best in the highest of high leverage situations. I think someone compared him a couple of weeks ago to Coco Cordero of of days old where every time he came in it felt like he was putting himself in the position to blow a save and yet every time he came through and you trusted him in the past maybe maybe Derek Johnson saw something today but I've got to have belief in my closer to be able to finish a ball game at least have the opportunity to finish a ball game he ended up giving up three runs, all of them after he was taken out. Sam Mall's been shut down all year long, so I, I understand it. But you've got 
a closer for a reason. He's got 60 whatever saves, 50 whatever saves. Last I checked, he only blown one, maybe two. I struggle with pulling him there. I understand the thinking, but closers like the high leverage. And to me, I think you got to give him the opportunity to get out of that inning. Trace, you got any thoughts on it? The only issue I really had, and I don't have the splits in front of me and all that, I hate putting Sam Mole in a position where you, you uh, intentionally walk the guy right after you get that big strikeout because then you put yourself in what feels like another big leverage situation where if you walk a guy or you fall behind 2-0 or you hit a batter, game's over. I hate that. I really hate that. I, and, I, and again, no offense to the Twins, but it's not like any of those guys are really all that scary anyways. So whoever he was facing couldn't have been that great. I get the other guy was 0 for 4 with whatever or 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and he, he had a fly out. But you're also making him switch sides of the plate. And I don't care what splits say, but if a guy's 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and, 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 and on top of that just flew out. So he's 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. I'll be honest with you. If I was a switch hitter, I think I'd rather hit from the other side too. So I don't know. I don't know. That's really the only issue I had. And you know what the other thing is too, and I know the shifts and all that's kind of a funny bit we do here, but that ball didn't look like it was hit that hard, and it looked like it was hit to the right side of Jonathan India, which he must have been playing directly up the middle, I guess. I, It just, it was just a gross. Everything didn't go the Reds' way that statistically probably should, in a way. And, of course, you're going to have people pissed off because that's, that's just a big game. I mean, it is what it is. We're fans. It sucks. You go there, you feel like you dominate the whole entire game. And uh, for as many times as I've laughed and yelled and screamed and said we stole one from somebody, it kind of feels like the Twins just stole one from us. So I'll kind of leave on that, and I'm going to probably jump off here so no one gets seasickness. But uh, I'm going to listen the whole way, and I'll jump in the chat. But much love to both of you. The Reds aren't dead either. I mean, I know it feels like that, but they're not dead. I mean, they got a, they got a mountain to climb now. They're going to they're gonna have to sweep the Pirates and or the Cardinals now. That's the position they put themselves in. All right, Trace, much love. I'll add a couple of thoughts on that uh, uh, Sam Mall decision just to give some people some perspective if you want it. You probably don't. But the first batter, Trevor Larnage, he's got a career 63 weighted runs created plus against left-handed, 105 against right-handed. Sam Mull struck him out. And then Jorge Polanco in his career, he's got a 119 weighted runs created plus against right-handed, 95 against left-handed. You know, the ball snuck through. That was just a tough, it was a tough, tough hit. You know, that's one of the hits that, man, it sucks to get beat on that kind of hit. But that is what it's come. Some more super chats. Appreciate you guys. We'll get to them. Uh, Kirby, thoughts on the rest of the season? I mean, the Reds aren't dead. If you if you want to be the first one to declare that like you did uh, after the Reds lost two games to the Cardinals, that you declared it 15 times throughout the year, be my guest. They're not dead. It, it's, I, it's the worst part of fandom, in my opinion, is when people just cannot wait to declare their team dead i don't understand why people are obsessed with doing it but teach their own on that they're not dead they're not in a good spot they weren't in a good spot when the day started they weren't in a good spot on opening day they weren't in a good spot on may 1st they weren't in a good spot on june 1st they really haven't been in a good spot almost the entire year they've never had playoff odds greater than 50 percent all year the entire year not one day did the Reds start the day with playoff odds better than 50 percent so they're not dead. They're still in it. They got a chance to uh, run off some wins in a row. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, this one really stings because of how it happened. But, you know, when we were laying down the series, we said, all right, win the series against the Tigers, win the series against the Mets. You know, you can you can just win one against the Twins. I mean, that's exactly where we're at right now. 
So I, I get it. It stinks. I mean, the Reds need some help. The the Marlins sweeping the Braves is what really just completely changed a lot of things. So, but they're not dead. If you want to be the first and the the 50th person this year to do it, go for it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the schedule that you shared, I mean, one of the questions that'll be interesting to see is how Bell manages this pitching staff down the stretch. I mean, there's an opportunity for Hunter Green to get two more starts um, if you want him. There's also an opportunity to line him up for a wild card uh, playoff series. So you've got different ways that you can play this out. Bottom line is that, to me personally, this Pittsburgh series is one where you should and it almost feels like you need to sweep. Pittsburgh is not a great baseball team. They are throwing out their three arms that are subpar, and you've got three three guys scheduled to go that can absolutely shove in the right moment. So it's lined up for you. I mean, there's no reason you can't rattle off eight, you know, six or seven wins here in the last week. It's set up for the Reds to still be right there in this race at the end of the year. So um, I'm certainly frustrated with today, like everybody else, but I'm still optimistic about the way this season can end. Um, I would like to see David Bell maybe take his emotions out of it a little bit. Um, We've said it before. It feels like this is a going away party for Joey Votto. And quite frankly, as much as I love Joey Votto, we've got a playoff spot to earn, and uh, we can't be affording, can't afford to continue to run him out there along with Jake Fraley and, you know, reduce our defense while also reducing our offense. And uh, feels like a lot of emotion are going into decisions right now rather than David Bell's tried and true, which has been the, uh, the analytics. Yeah, another super chat here from Big Z kind of goes with what we're saying. Really sick of what seems to be over analyzing by Bell. Put the best guys out there and let them play. Period. Uh, I mean, I agree with a little bit of that. I, it I almost think, feels like the opposite, I, though, yeah. right? Like he's under analyzing. I'm, I'm sure Big Z's talking about like taking Green out of the game, taking Diaz out of the game. But I, I, I guess there's there's some merit to he's not being consistent. I yeah, think absolutely. that's. I, I think that is is maybe a better way to say it. He's not being consistent. Uh, again, if you want to play Joey Votto every day this week, I, I really don't have a problem with it at this point. It is what it is, uh, but you can't play Jake Freely. You can't play both of them. You can't handicap your lineup to get both of those guys in the lineup, despite what all the incredible things both those guys have done. Um, that That's that's my biggest issue. Um, as far as like some of the other moves, like like going to Sam Mole because of the numbers and you know pinch hitting and those at over, that's what's got the Reds. They've done this all year. That's what got them to 79 wins. So I get it. When it doesn't work, it it stinks. And it, it really stinks to lose with lesser guys. I get what people are saying there, but they have 79 wins uh, for a reason. And a lot of that, I think, is because of what they've done. Let's talk about Hunter Green because it's it's really easy to forget about a incredible performance when you lose a, a heartbreaking game like this. But for Hunter Green to step up the way he's done since he came back uh, off the IL, had those two just awful starts. Uh, he's been incredible since, and then had a COVID IL in the middle of it. Um, what he's done and what he's put the, put this team on the back, put this team on his back is just incredible. It, it gives you a lot of confidence for the future, which is what we thought this year was going to be about. Um, 
he's been he's just been awesome down the stretch and uh um I, i'm just really happy with what he's done and, and how he's put this team on the back and uh if somehow they're able to get into the playoffs uh he gives you a chance to actually win now the the hard part is is not only do you have to get into the playoffs but you also have to clinch before the last game of the season because right now he's lined up to play in the last pitch in the last game of the season and if he pitches in the last game of the season he could really only pitch in game three of the wild card round and that would be on three days rest so um it's even it's at this point it's even hard for him to even be a factor in a, in a, that first round series unless you really just run off a bunch of wins in a row but nonetheless hunter green's pitching awesome deserves a lot of credit for how he's fought through this year and uh that was a huge bright spot and a really down day for the reds today i thought hunter green was huge um obviously the stat line speaks for itself but there were moments in this game where Hunter Green needed to step up, and he did it. I thought the third inning was a great uh, example of that. He gave up a leadoff double to Stevenson, and then Vasquez bloops a single into right. Stevenson gets held up at third. Um, the Twins try a safety squeeze. Uh, doesn't 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 work, uh, so he's left with runners on second and third with one out, and he goes back-to-back strikeouts to Julian and Polanco to get out of the inning. It felt like there were several moments where he had, you know, situations where he stepped up and struck guys out the third. Uh, he gave up a walk in the fourth and then struck out the next two guys. Uh, he gave up the hit by pitch to start the fifth and then got the double play, followed by a strikeout. Um, struck out the side in the sixth. In the seventh, he gave up that home run and then got two easy outs after that. It just, it felt like in big moments he stepped up anytime the twins were threatening and uh, can't say enough about what Hunter Green has done over his last four starts. Again, 24 innings, 11 hits, six six runs, only four of them earned, 35 strikeouts in his last four starts. I mean, can't say enough about, about what he's done. All right, the Reds' only minor league team in action on Wednesday was AAA Louisville. The Bats lost 11-7 to the Iowa Cubs. Jose Barrero, though, he hit a home run number 17. And Jose Barrero, don't look now, but he has homered in three of the last four games. And the only game that he didn't homer in those four games, he went just four for four with two doubles. So good to see Jose Barrero finishing the year strong for AAA Louisville. And Jacob Herdeby, he was on base just three more times, also stole a base He's got 33 stolen bases between multiple levels this year. Her to be a 480 on base percentage and 115 games in the minors this year, but he's got a 552 on base percentage in 32 games at AAA. Double A Chattanooga, they will play game two of the Southern League Division Series on Thursday night at 715. That's against the Tennessee Smokies. It's a best of three series. Chattanooga down one game to none. They have not announced a starter yet, but Chase Petty might be might be starting this game. Uh, Julian Aguilar started game one, so I know Chase Petty is on that roster. I'm so hoping he is starting, and that'll be really cool. That game has been uh, was free on uh, MLB TV. Uh, it was the free game of the day. Uh, I think most of the minor league playoff games are, so you definitely want to check that out. 
Chattanooga in a playoff game. They got guys like Blake Dunn, Reese Hines, and Edwin Arroyo just got called up. And again, we're also hoping Chase Petty is starting that game for Chattanooga. Well, the Reds are off on Thursday, but they will start three games against the Pittsburgh Pirates on Friday. Uh, Only two teams in action in the NL wildcard race as it pertains to the Reds. The first and the most important one is at 7.40 p.m., the Cubs host the Pirates. For the Pirates, it'll be Johan Oviedo. He's 8-14 with a 4.27 ERA against Kyle Hendricks, 6-7 with a 3.77 ERA. And then at 10-10, the Giants probably starting to look like they're out of the race, but still worth keeping an eye on. The Giants will have Kyle Harrison on the mound, 1-1 with a 5.18 ERA against Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers. He's 3-1 with a 5.44 ERA. Well, we will have a podcast on Friday morning with Shea Neal. Uh, I'll be interviewing Shea, talking a little bit about the Reds and where things stand. Also give you a preview in much more detail about the Pittsburgh Pirates and this big series for the Reds uh, coming up. Be sure as always to check out Off the Bench 10 a.m. on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, Trace and the guys have a lot to talk about with the Reds and of course with uh, football this weekend. Also up now on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube, Chatterbox Clicker with former Bengals coach Kyle Kasky breaking down Bengals film. And then Mac and JT, new show from Chatterbox Sports covering all things NFL. We'll have a great Thursday. Make sure you go check out the Chattanooga Lookouts and their playoff series at 7-15. And as always, go Reds. And I guess, go Pirates. <laughs>